if I ever faced the bogger, I would be so fine because like, what is it gonna do, turn into the physical embodiment of being abandoned? Welcome back to the Silver Claw Review. I'm Madison. And I'm Dea. And today we are going to be doing The Prisoner of Azkaban Part 2. Yay! But first, we are doing the spell of the episode and the character of the episode. And I will start us off today. Yes, ma'am. Our spell of the episode is a charm. It is Expecto Patronum. The use is to conjure a Patronus. The etymology of this word is that in Latin, expecto means I wait for, and patronus means protector or guardian. The magical moment for this charm is that in Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry leads this ext- learns this extremely difficult charm from Remus Lupin in order to defend himself against Dementors. Patronuses are known for being used to defend against creatures such as Dementors and Lethifolds, but they can also be used to send messages, as shown by Order of the Phoenix members Arthur Weasley and Kingsley Shacklebolt. A Patronus can be very personal. Harry's takes the shape of his father's animagus form, a stag. I love when you do yours, because I feel like yours always has, like, extra information that, like, I just don't naturally know. Yeah. I mean, with the characters, it's all, like, canon information, so it's like we uh-huh. know all about it. But, yeah, that's a good one for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, our character of the episode is Cornelius Fudge. He is first mentioned in Sorcerer's Stone. Cornelius Fudge is the Minister of Magic during Harry's first five years at Hogwarts. Despite his initial friendliness towards Harry, Fudge refuses to acknowledge Voldemort's return and eventually d- resigns in disgrace. I feel like the more, like, characters that I go through, the more I realize, like, how short some of their descriptions are. Yeah. Like, I feel like Fudge does a little bit more than just that, but that's all it says. Yeah. But we will see Fudge a little bit later, so... Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, we're going to dive right in because there's a lot of content to get through in this half. Go ahead, Miss Ma'am. So we are starting off with chapter 12 titled The Patronus. Ron and Harry are still mad at Hermione for telling McGonagall about the broom, so they really aren't speaking to her. Uh, the other students now come back from holiday break and Harry tells Wood about the firebolt situation and Wood really just breezes over the whole serious black wants to kill me bit, so he might have jinxed it and goes straight to like, I'm going to talk to McGonagall. This cannot stand. <laughs> we we gotta have get to win. Back. Exactly. We get back into term starting again, and they are heading to classes. Harry reminds Lupin um, of his promise to help Harry learn to fend off the Dementors, which is where the spell of the day comes in, the Patronus. Um, So they make a plan for that Thursday. Then we get to Harry and Ron are talking about how Lupin still kind of looks sick, even after this holiday, and are wondering, yo, like, what's wrong with him? (laughs) And Hermione overhears this, because I remember, they're not talking. No. And she's like, isn't it obvious and Ron is convinced that she doesn't actually know. She just is gaslighting th- like them into talking to her, which is clever. It's clever, but also I think Hermione's right. It honestly is obvious, and I'm mm-hmm. shocked that not more people picked up on it. Like, not only all the hints that JKR puts into the book themselves, but the fact that his name is quite literally just Wolfie McWolfwolf. Like, his name, al- like, really? <laughs> I think the thing, too, is, like, Hermione's the only one who did the... The homework for Snape, so realistically she's the only one who pays attention enough to know, but... That's valid. Yeah. 
Harry goes to this first lesson with Lupin and is learning the Patronus charm. Instead of bringing a Dementor into practice, he found another Boggart, which is smart because let's not trap a Dementor. I feel like that wouldn't end well. And so lucky. Yes. That they just happen to find another one. He found one. another one. He's like, I scoured the, the school. And you're like, how many are in the school? Honestly, yeah. probably a lot. Uh, I like how the, when he does it, he gets like the tiniest wisp to come out of the wand. And Lupin was like, all right, let's try it on the Boggart now. Yeah, right. He like immediately, he's like, yeah, that's something. That's, let's have, let's go. Uh, he keeps trying and passing out, choosing a different happy memory to focus on each time. The second time, he hears his father's voice for the first time in the attack. Um, the third time, he manages to produce a cloudy Patronus that holds for a little bit before Lupin re- uses Ridiculous to get the Boggart back into the chest. And he kind of decides that's enough for the day. It's really draining. Yeah, and he did really good for this first lesson, considering yeah. he's 13, never done this really before. Really difficult like, charm. Really is good. We also find out in this section that Remus and James were, like, friends. Like, Remus yeah. knew him, which is, again, like, I just, I love reading this book and just picking up on so many little things that will build up to the big picture at the end. Like, it's just so fun, like, knowing it. How the plot thickens. For real. <laughs> And Harry and Ron are now noticing that Hermione is struggling with all these classes and assignments, and they're super confused as to how she's not missing any classes when they're supposedly at the same time. But, you know, again, they just kind of breeze past it because she's Hermione. And now we get Wood telling Harry that he might need to get another broom because McGonagall isn't done, and she has literally no idea when she will. Yeah, Wood also, like, straight up admits that he does not give a shit if Harry falls off his broom as long as he catches the snitch. Like, he just, he said that with his chest. (laughs) He's got things to do. He's got cups to win. Honestly, he's so committed to it. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Harry keeps on going to his anti-dementor lessons with Lupin, but isn't making too much progress. That's expected, though. It's a super difficult charm. Yeah. Um, And as of now, he can really only produce a weak, cloudy Patronus. But Lupin says he's actually doing really great and he rewards him with some butterbeer which is so cute and he's like you probably never had this and he's like oh yes i have and then he's like oh they brought it back for me they yeah. brought it back i never i've i've never been yeah so what's also a little sad kind of about this is that harry like n- notes that like part of the reason why he hasn't made a lot of progress is because he's aware that a small part of him still wants to hear his mom and dad's voices like Mm -hmm. even though it's them literally being murdered Mm -hmm. it's like the only time he's ever heard their voices so it's like a small part of him just wants that and he's like i feel so guilty which is just so sad really depressing he's been through so much it breaks my heart so um after they kind of he has this like reflection on the fact that he's kind of still holding on to that fear because it is that glimpse into his parents yeah he asks what's under a Dementor's hood, which I don't know if I, like, just block this from my mind. But Lupin describes it as, like, they have some kind of mouth under there because they clamp their jaws upon the mouth of the victim and suck out the, his soul. Which is such a yeah. horrifying visual to have. Yeah. Like, I get... Because in the movies, like, you see, like, the sucking of the, the soul. Thing but, happened, like, there's yeah. no, like, jaws that, like, clamp onto your face. Yeah, this is definitely a lot more brutal and it definitely is like it's rough like they suck out your soul especially remembering like we talked last episode like the analogy of dementors being depression like Mm it ooh, it just hits so deep yeah and so we're done with the lesson harry gets his firebolt back thank god everyone's super excited um they meet neville outside of the common room on the way back and he's lost his list of passwords for the common room for the week and they're like ooh, that sucks and so they get back in, Ron goes upstairs to give Scabbers his tonic, but runs down not much later because, boom, Scabbers is gone, there's blood and ginger cat hair on the sheets. Mm-hmm. 
End of chapter. <laughs> End of chapter, yeah. Fully implying that Crookshanks has killed Scabbers. And mm-hmm. starting chapter 13, the girls are fighting. Oh my god, Hermione and Ron are just completely, like, we thought it was bad before, it's awful now. And Harry basically is taking Ron's side because objectively, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Like, I understand where Ron's coming from. Uh, Fred and George tried to, like, comfort Ron by telling him, like, oh, he was old and dying anyway, he never really did anything. And something that I thought was funny is that Ron's rebuttal is like, oh, he bit Goyle once, and Fred's like, ah, yes, his finest hour, let the scar on Goyle's hand be a tribute to his memory. (laughs) And I just, I laughed out loud. Fred and George are so funny, Mm -hmm. I love them. Um, so Harry tries to cheer Ron up by telling him that he can use the firebolt, which, to his credit, does work. Ron does get excited about that. Yeah. They go to, um, practice. Wood tells Harry that the Ravenclaw Seeker is Cho Chang, and that she rides a comic 260, which the names for brooms are just, like, really funny to me. Like, they're all so vastly different, and they're just... I just really like this. Like, the next book, they're gonna be like, yeah, the Swiffer Sweeper 406. Like, it's just... (laughs) I just think they're so funny. And also, the fact that every Seeker for every house team is, like, an important character. Like, she did that shit on purpose. (laughs) But the Gryffindors have, like, literally the best practice ever. Everyone's so hype about this fireball. And then Ron uses it for a bit afterwards, and then Hooch eventually is like, go back. As they're walking back, Harry thinks he sees the Grimm in the shadows, but then Crookshanks walks out, and so he's like, ah, never mind. He brushes it off. However, it probably was the Grimm. Right, Because we do find out later, you know, more stuff, but, like, it probably was. And then at breakfast, everyone is obsessed with the fireball, and Percy is like, Harry, you gotta win, because I bet ten galleons that you are gonna win with my girlfriend, Penelope Clearwater, because he has to remind everyone at all times that it's his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, um, was just funny to me, because I'm like, why would you bet ten galleons that A, you don't have, and B, with your girlfriend, why would you not bet, like, a foot massage or, like, a butter beer? Like, ten galleons! Yeah. But Malfoy comes over to be a little shit, as usual, mm-hmm. and he makes a comment about how, like, oh, like, if only it had a parachute since you fell off last time. But then Harry whips around and absolutely destroys him, saying, mm-hmm. if only yours had an arm to catch the snitch for you. Like, holy shit. I was like, oh, burn. Yep, I marked this page as Harry roasts Malfoy. <laughs> yes, that's ex- it's so good. I was like, Malfoy, do you need some ice for that? So good. Um, they go to the game, and Harry keeps his wand, like, under his shirt, which I understand is in case of, like, Dementors, but, like, how is that not illegal? Like, to have a wand? Like, they should, I feel like they should be checking, like, no one has their wand, right? Because it's like, what if he decides to get up there and, like, confund us, the other player? Like, you know, I feel like that should be illegal. That's true, yeah. But, whatever. Uh, Harry does mention Cho is pretty, which is a little hint for future stuff. And the entire game, Cho is basically just, like, tailing Harry and, like, following him around, which mm-hmm. is objectively a solid game strategy. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Harry's good at it. Go yeah, go on. And Lee Jordan throughout is, like, keeps talking about the Fireball, and McGonagall is like, are you being paid to advertise the <laughs> Fireball? Which is just really funny. I love Lee Jordan. His commentary is always, like, superior. Mm-hmm. And as they're flying around, Cho sees Dementors, and she's like, oh my god, and she points. Harry gets distracted, he sees them, he throws an Expecto Patronum, and then he's just zooming to get the snitch afterwards, which is just king behavior. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. shoot that spell and go, king. I love that for him. He does get the snitch, the Gryffindors are all super excited, Uh, Lupin comes out and he's like, hey yo, like, that was a great... Patronus, but those weren't real Dementors. And we find out that the Dementors were just Malfoy and his hoes being annoying. 
And so McGonagall's like yelling at them. She takes away 50 points and gives them detention, which is finally an appropriate use of points being taken away. Like 50 points for this makes sense. Snape taking away 50 points for uh, like, uh, finally, they're being used properly. Mm hmm. Um, and the Gryffindors are basically in, like, full party mode now. Like, they're super excited, good for them. Hermione is reading, and Harry tries to convince her to, like, join in on the festivities, but she and Ron are still on the outs, so she doesn't. Minnie breaks up the party, they go to bed, and Harry has a weird-ass dream, and then is woken up by screaming. And it turns out it is Ron, and he is freaking out because Sirius Black was just in there, standing over him with a knife. Okay. <laughs> Not his finest hour. I will give him that. It really isn't. Everyone goes down to the common room. Like, everyone's coming out because Ron apparently just screamed so loud. Mm -hmm. And no one believes him, of course. Minerva comes back and she's like, what's going on? He tells her and they're like, go ask the portrait. So they go ask Sir Cadogan, like, did you let anyone in? And he's like, yes, I did because he had a list of all the passwords. Which now makes sense. Neville, last chapter, lost the list. So that small little comment had dire consequences correct yes and that is the end of chapter 13 not important but i noticed that you say cadogan and i say cadogan oh sir cadogan is what i say i don't know which one it is i, don't I just know think which it's very it interesting either. that we chose very opposite very different yeah, pronunciations true. but yeah um moving on to chapter 14 sirius has escaped so they amp up the security at the school the, send the kids home yeah send the kids home like <laughs> i need them to be so serious right now haha <laughs> serious funny but like it, that always shocks me like every single book i'm like there reaches a point where i'm like send them home mm -hmm. you would think you would think but no they fire sir cadigan put him back up to the seventh floor he's banished yep. the fat lady is back and is guarded by security trolls ron has become a celebrity now because of the attack and he is basking in this attention because now he's finally like the important one which yeah. sounds terrible but it's true. It is. Poor Neville is having a shit time. He got detention. He's banned from Hogsmeade visits. He's not allowed to have the password to the common room, so he just has to wait outside for other students to go in. His grandmother also sent him a howler, which he just promptly grabbed and just sprinted out of the hall. Yeah, I'm, Neville's going through it this chapter. I just feel really bad for him. And then Hagrid sends a letter to Harry about him coming down for tea with Ron. Um, they walk in. Buckbeak is just like, chilling in Hagrid's cabin, like, on his bed with a bunch of dead ferrets, which is disgusting. I mean, he's living his best life. <laughs> I guess. It's so gross. And Hagrid tells them that Buck's, Buckbeak's trial is on Friday, which makes them feel really guilty, and it should, because they both promised to help him with the case, and both of them completely forgot because of the stupid fireball. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And Hagrid tells them that he's, like, worried about Hermione because she's lonely and she's spread thin, but she's still been finding time to help Hagrid. Which is really important because they completely forgot and she's busy. Exactly. Hermione's a G. Exactly. And says that they would, f he figured they would value their friend more than a broom and a rat. Hagrid's coming in here with the life lessons. Yeah, he has a really good point. The boys are truly being ridiculous. Like, mm -hmm. I can kind of understand the scabbers, like being upset yeah. about the scabbers thing, but taking it this long is ridiculous and the fireball thing was just ridiculous overall she was just trying to be a good friend and look out for you yeah. she was absolutely that right. was reasonable and yeah. she was correct exactly. that it was who, who it was from so yeah yeah and when they get back to the common rooms after this there's an announcement for another hogsmeade weekend and ron's like oh just you should go again and use the passage and hermione says that if he uses the passage to sneak out she'll tell mcgonagall about the map which is a bitch move and I know that we just defended her, but, like... <laughs> now we're gonna do a 180. <laughs> 180, because, like, unnecessary. Yeah. Now we're skipping to Saturday, and Harry has decided to use the invisibility cloak this time to sneak out, which is smart. 
um, when he gets to the statue of the one-eyed witch, Neville comes and is, like, desperately asking to hang out. He's like, well, you want to study or, like, do something? You want to play a game? Um, and they also get interrupted by Snape, who's like, um... What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And he's like, oh, we just happened to meet here. We're going to the common room. So they go back to the common room. Harry manages to get away from Neville, and now he's finally heading to Hogsmeade. They roam around for a little while before heading to the Shrieking Shrack. Shrieking Shack. Yes. <laughs> Shrieking Shack, which is completely sealed and is supposed to be the most haunted place in Britain. People used to hear screams and yells. Like, really spooky. Yeah, she goes real into detail about this. Yeah, I why. it's really spooky, right? Um, Malfoy shows up, of course. Naturally. Talking mad shit about Hagrid and the Hippogriff before making fun of Ron for being poor again. His only, <laughs> his, his only thing. His go-to. <laughs> Harry decides, oh my god, this is the best time to mess with them, right? And just throws mud at them, which does succeed in freaking them out, but when he goes to, like, trip Crab, which was a dumb move, uh, the cloak gets pulled down a bit and, like, reveals just his head, which, like, freaks them out even more. That would freak me out, too. That's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) So now, obviously, they're like, okay, so now we have to go, because he's gonna go back to the castle and tell. So Harry is running. He gets back to the passageway, he leaves the invisibility cloak in the passageway just in case he gets caught and exits where Snape catches him. That was the smartest thing that he's, he's ever done, done. Yeah. in a while. He was like, oh yeah, let me leave this here. So smart. Yeah, I'm proud of him for that so one. So smart. Snape is ripping him a new one about Malfoy seeing him in Hogsmeade. And <laughs> he has no proof though. Yeah, but although I don't normally, I don't ever agree with Snape, there was a point in here where I was like, he does have a point because... Everyone is trying to keep him safe. The yeah. Minister of Magic, everyone is trying to keep him safe from Harry, like from Sirius Black. But then he says, but famous Harry Potter is a law unto himself. Let the ordinary people worry about his safety. Famous Harry Potter goes where he wants to with no thought for the consequences. Which is true. Yeah, it is Which true. is true. Harry has an unfortunate main character complex. <laughs> yes, he does. Which he does. He then turns this into spewing stuff about James, which is not... A whole anti-James parade. Which is not justified, and Harry's like, I know that you're mad because, you know, my dad saved your life, and Snape's like, um, that's only because there was a prank that was gonna kill me, and they would have been expelled, so your dad got cold feet and then saved me because he had to. Yep, he also makes a comment of, like, James strutting around, and Harry goes, my My dad dad didn't strut, strut. and neither do I. Which, I love that, because Mm -hmm. based on the characterization, which isn't a lot, but based on the characterization we get of James, yes he did. I would bet money on the fact that he strutted strutted around that hallway as much as he could. Like, dude, did you even know your dad? Oh, well, no, he didn't. (laughs) Ouch. My bad. Ouch. Jesus. (laughs) Insensitive. Sorry, I caught myself (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Anyways. Anyway. Um, Snape makes Harry turn out his pockets, which has the Zonkos, which is kind of like pretty much evidence against him, and the Marauder's map. So Snape's like, oh, what's this? And he's like, oh, it's just parchment. So he tries to get the map to reveal itself, but it just starts insulting him with the best string of insults. They're like, mind your own business. Get your fat, greasy head out of this map. Can't believe an idiot like you as a teacher. Like, yeah, they go off No, on they him. went so hard. Um, so Snape is obviously mad. So he throws the powder into the fireplace and immediately summons Lupin, which is like, interesting. Why would, why would he immediately summon Lupin? Yeah, why him, huh? To ask him about, to ask him about this. Um, and Lupin's like, oh, well, it looks like parchment that's been like, you know, from Zonko's. It's just a joke. It's supposed to insult you. And Snape is like, well, maybe he got it directly, directly from the manufacturers. And Harry's like, 
what the heck does that mean? Oh, it's so good, dude. It is so good. Mm. I love this book so much. Yeah, It was good. And at this point, Ron's running in, out of breath, and he's like, no, I gave it to him last week, which Ron's a real one for what this. What a G. He's a real one. He, he no knew. No warning, nothing from Harry. Like, he just, he knew. He's like, he needs my help. He had the lie on lockdown. Like, yeah, Ron is such a ride or die. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the boys leave with Lupin because now Snape's whole thing is kind of upturned. Yeah. And Lupin actually chastises Harry for caring so little about his life when his parents died to protect him, which is like, oof, stabbed to the heart. He should feel bad. But true, yeah. Yeah. He says that he's not going to give him the map back and confirms that he did know the makers of the map. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Interesting. And they go back to the common room where Hermione is waiting to tell them that Hagrid has lost the case. Yep. In chapter 15, we continue off. Hermione is telling the boys that Lucius basically just intimidated everyone to vote for execution, which is just kind of fucked that he has that power and he didn't actually get a fair trial. Um, And then she mentions that there is an appeal process, but, you know, it's not likely. And Ron is like, yes, it is, because we're going to help this time. Okay, buddy. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, And then after this is also where Ron and Hermione, like, makeup like something about that just snaps I guess I was like for sure but like they're good now and so they're walking around Hogwarts they see Malfoy's making fun of Buckbeak and all that and Hermione goes up to him and just snaps him right across the face no warning just mm-hmm. gets him and then she threatens him with her wand next and Ron has to hold her back and be like bro wait because she's just a baller like love this for her um after this they go to charms and Hermione has disappeared She was right with them, but she didn't show up to Charms at all. So after Charms, they go back to the common room and they find Hermione there. And they're like, yo, where were you? And she's like, oh my god, I miss Charms. And Ron's like, yeah, you're doing too much. And she's like, no, I'm not. I gotta go apologize to Flitwick. I'll see you in Divination. So they go to Divination and they are now doing crystal balls because Trelawney is like, the fates told me they'd be on the exam. And Hermione makes a really good point where she's like, she makes the exam, so obviously she knows what's going to be on it. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, that's that's valid. Um, and the trio is basically just like fucking around the whole time. They're not taking this seriously whatsoever. And Trelawney, when she gets to Harry, uh, gasps because, of course, the grim. And Hermione is just so done with her. She, they get into, a, like, a little argument, and Hermione storms out after Trelawney tells her that she has a hopelessly mundane mind, which is so valid. I'd leave, too. Like, that's so mean. Mm-hmm. Quit. And so that class ends, and now everyone is stressed over homework. Hermione is studying at every waking hour. Harry is struggling because he has quit his practice, and Ron has, like, gone all in on this Buckbeak appeal. Like, he's committed to this now. And with the upcoming game, it's Slytherin versus Gryffindor, so tensions are really high. Wood keeps stressing, like, Harry, you can only catch the snitch if they're more than 50 points up so we can win, blah, blah, blah. And Slytherins keep trying to fuck with Harry in the halls, uh, tripping him, sending jinxes and stuff. And so Wood calls for, like, a protection squad, basically, to, like, follow Harry around and make sure that nothing happens to him. Which is so funny because the Quidditch team is giving Harry more protection against Slytherins than Hogwarts is giving him against Sirius Black. <laughs> that is very true. Like, really? <laughs> but at the end, Harry goes to sleep and he sleeps really badly. He has really weird dreams about this match, how Neville was a seeker, the Slytherins were riding dragons, just a bunch of like crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And so he wakes up in the middle of the night, he goes to drink water and... From the window, he sees a big black dog walking with Crookshanks on the grounds, and he's like, oh my god, what the heck? 
he tries to wake up Ron, but by the time Ron is like, what? They're gone. So, did he actually see that? Who knows? Who knows? Um, the next day, it is now time for the match. Cho wishes Harry good luck, and Harry blushes, which was important for me to note. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. Um, and everyone is rooting for Gryffindor. Like, Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, they want Gryffindor to win. No one wants Slytherin to win. Hurts my feelings, but, like, I get it. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and in the game, Lee Jordan makes a comment that Slytherin seems to have switched their lineup going for size rather than skill. Which, two points. Number one, is that even allowed? Like, can you just switch your team right before a game, like, randomly? Like, oh, just kidding, Malfoy's out, put this guy in, like... Is that even allowed? I guess. Like, that's weird. And then two, why would you not want skill over? Like, because if anything, a smaller person would be better because you can fly faster. And if they're skillful, then they could work better plays. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going for, like, force. Yeah. Like, just if, you, if you have to go, like, head-to-head on a broom, like, the big one's going to knock you off. Yeah, knock that's you off. fair. Yeah. Uh, well, the game keeps going, and the Slytherins keep getting, like, penalties because they're basically cheating, which is... A sad day for my house because they're being so stupid. I'm like, I literally, I was like, I wanted to like smack their heads together and yeah. be like, get it together. This is dumb. This is not how we win. Please, for the love of God. The game is really, really messy because of this, but at the end of the day, Harry does catch the snitch. Gryffindor wins the house cup. Everyone is like crying, tears of joy, happy. Good for them. I'm yeah. pissed at my house for being stupid, but good for them. They deserve that. Slytherin was, Slytherin was being stupid. Yeah. But that's basically the end of chapter 15. Right. And chapter 16, we're skipping forward to a little more than a week later. Everyone's getting ready for finals. Um, we're back to the Hermione has things at the same time. How is that possible? But we just move on. Uh, Hagrid sends a note saying that the appeal will be on the last day of exams and a representative is coming to the school for it with an executioner. So it's pretty much made up that he's going to be executed. Yeah, it's not it's not looking good. Not looking good for Buckbeak. Now exams are arriving, they go through all their exam- exams and transfiguration, they're turning a teapot into a tortoise, charms are doing cheering charms, they just kind of go through the day. Um, I like how Defense Against the Dark Arts, he did this cool little obstacle course that it was made up of things that he did through the whole year. The I thought best that was exam. the coolest yeah. thing ever. I would be so happy to sit through an exam like that. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. And then this is where we find out Hermione's bogger because she says that she struggled with it. It was McGonagall telling her that she failed everything and she comes out crying, which, me too, hon. Yeah, that's valid, I guess. It's weird that that's her biggest fear out of everything. Failure? But it's, yeah. Oh, I guess when you look at it through failure. Yeah, just, just failure. Like, yeah, that's the manifestation of, like, her fear, fear of failure. Yeah, that's so valid because I've always thought about it. I'm like, damn, like... If I ever faced a bogger, I would be so fine because, like, what is it going to do, turn into the physical embodiment of being abandoned? Like, what? Like, I was like, yeah, no, I'll be fine. But then (laughs) when you put it like that, it would definitely, like, turn into, like, you. And you would start telling me that I'm a piece of shit, that I'm a bad friend, and that you never want to see me again. And that would get me. Jesus Christ. Anyways, (laughs) Harry, Ron, and Hermione run into Fudge outside the castle, who was there for the appeal with the executioner. Um, they kind of move on there to the day, on with their day, go to the final exam. Harry and Ron find out that Trelawney is doing her exams individually. And Harry see, says that in, like, his crystal ball, he sees a hippogriff, and she's like, is it dead, honey? Is it, like, <laughs> brutally, like, murdered his head, missing a head, perhaps? And he's like, no, it's flying away. And she's like, mm, 
I don't, I don't think so. Are you sure there's not, like, blood splattering she's, everywhere? Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> she's like, disappointing, but sure, go. As he's leaving, Trelawney starts speaking in, like, a harsh voice. Her, like, eyes roll back into her head. Um, pretty much being like, oh, well, you know, the servant of Voldemort is coming back. It will happen tonight. And he's going to bring the Dark Lord back. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> and then he... As, you know, obviously she comes back too, and he's like, did you hear what you just said? And she's like, um, no. No, I don't remember that. Literally gaslights him. She's like, you probably fell asleep too. It's fine. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so Harry just leaves, goes back to the common room, and Ron and Hermione have a note from Hagrid saying, Buckbeak lost and will be executed at sunset, but he doesn't want them to see it, so he tells them not to come. They decide that they just can't sit around, so they grab the invisibility cloak and go, which actually Hermione volunteers to go grab it. Yeah, she's so, like, where is it? Over there? Yeah, but Snape will see me. It's fine. Be right back. Be right back. Goes, grabs it so quick. She's really unhinged in this book. I know. What a badass. Yep. While they're at Hagrid's, Hermione finds Scabbers in the cabinet. Somehow. To, to everyone's shock, because he's supposed to be dead. Um, they don't really have time to think about this, though, because Fudge and the rest are coming to the hut, so Ron just, Ron just kind of stuffs Scabbers right in the pocket, and they go out the back door, but Scabbers is like freaking out yeah and as they're walking away they hear the thud of an axe and they're like oh there goes buckbeak's head <laughs> yep which i always thought this was like weird because the cover of the book is literally harry and hermione flying on buckbeak and this is a scene that hasn't happened yet so is the cover just like if you see this and you're like oh buckbeak died but the cover scene hasn't happened then that's kind of like a spoiler of like okay so he's not dead no I mean, you could also, because technically this is the window, and that's serious in the window, but, I mean, unless you know, you probably, unless you know the scene, you probably wouldn't get that. I mean, I guess, but normally if, I don't know, if I pick up this book, I would go, I would go into it being like, yeah, there's gonna be this scene on the cover, especially if the last two have scenes from the books, you know? I don't think that much into it. I wish I could, you know, I, I wish I could choose one side or the other, but, like, genuinely, I'm like, I looked at this, and no thoughts into the fact that this is the scene. I'm honest, no thoughts. Okay, that's, that's valid. Fair yeah. <laughs> um, chapter 17 starts, and the trio's really upset that they killed Buckbeak, um, but Ron is a little distracted, because Scabbers is, again, still going berserk, he's going crazy. He finally is able to jump out of Ron's hands, <clears throat> and Crookshanks, who happened to be nearby, immediately runs after him, which causes Ron to run after Crookshanks, uh, ditching the invisibility cloak, and then causes Harry and Hermione to chase after Ron. So they're all just, like, running in, like, a straight line. They catch up to him, where he's finally caught Scabbers again, and... A giant black dog comes out of nowhere and attacks them. Like, it bites Ron's arm, pushes Harry and shit, goes crazy, and then he grabs Ron and starts dragging him to the Whomping Willow. Mm -hmm. Harry and Hermione are kind of left in the back. They're getting beat up by the Whomping Willow, so they're, they're trying to get to Ron. They can't. Ron, like, hooks his leg onto a root to try to, like, stop himself from being dragged. But then his leg breaks. Terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. This sounds terrible. Also, I had a question because you know how they kind of ended up at the Whomping Willow not realizing what was happening? Yeah. In the, when Sirius, or when the dog, when the dog, <laughs> <laughs> when the dog first attacks them, we know it's Sirius. Nice save. <laughs> when he body checks Harry, do you think it was to slam him out of the way of the Whomping Willow? I've never thought about it like that, but probably that because, would make sense. Because they were already at the Whomping Willow, yeah. right? He would have no reason to body slam Harry 
and like hit him that hard other than to hit him out of the way because it was so dark they weren't paying attention to the tree. Yeah, especially because the book does also make a note to say that Harry like rolled like away. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point actually. I think so. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, Ron's leg fucking breaks um, and Harry (laughs) is determined to go after him and Hermione this entire scene is literally just so useless. She's just there. She's freaking out. She's like, oh my god, what do we do? Someone do something. Like she's freaking out and Crookshanks is the one who kind of saves the day. He runs up, places his pause on the knot of the tree and it just freezes and Hermione's like what the fuck and Harry's like oh yeah they're friends come on (laughs) like okay get on the same page let's go Uh, so they go down into the tunnel and they follow it like a long long ass way like I kind of forget like how long all these tunnels are like they're walking for a minute because they have to get all the way to Hogsmeade I forget that exactly right um but they finally end up in like this rundown house and Hermione's like oh my god I think we're in the shrieking shack They hear a noise upstairs, and so they follow it, and they find Ron, who's like, it's a trap, he's an animagus, and then, bam, door slams, Sirius Black is there, (laughs) dun dun dun! (laughs) Very dramatic. Turns out he was the black dog all along. Boom. So Sirius immediately takes their wands, because he's already taken Ron, so he takes Harry and Hermione's, um, and he's like, yeah, I knew you would come save Ron, because James would have done the same for me. Ooh. Harry is, of course, getting extremely angry, and he has the urge to, like, kill him. And I'm like, bro, do you even know the killing curse and how to do it at this point? <laughs> like, you're just gonna expel Yarmison to death? Like, yeah. be for real right He's now. He's gonna take that wand, he's gonna shove it right through his chest. <laughs> um, and Ron is, like, basically like, oh, you're gonna have to kill us all to get to Harry. And then he stands up like an idiot. His leg is broken. I'm like, Ron, sit down. <laughs> and Sirius is like, there will only be one murder tonight. And he's being so motherfucking ominous. ominous. The whole time it's making me so What a dramatic so bitch. I'm like, serious, can we just get to the point? <laughs> J.K. Rowling was really trying to drag this out yes. as long as possible. He, as soon as they came in, he could have been like, Harry, I didn't kill your parents. Peter's a, an animagus too. He's the rat. Oh my god. And then when Remus got there, they would have been friends already. Exactly. Like, it just, oh, he's such a dramatic bitch. Um, and Harry, after that, he decides that the best course of action is to talk, start talking shit to the convicted murderer in front of him, and then attack him with his fist the muggle way, which Hermione and Ron then join, just beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Hermione, like, curb stomps him. (laughs) Like, they really said, throw hands first, draw wands later, which is so valid. Mm And afterwards, Harry's finally, like, able to get his wand back, and he has Sirius at one point, like, on the floor, pointing it at him, and Sirius is like, you're going to kill me, Harry, and I'm like, again, <laughs> like, don't antagonize you me. son of a bitch, <laughs> and Harry's like, well, you did kill my parents, and Sirius, still being melodramatic, is like, yeah, but you don't know the whole story, okay, and then Crookshanks tries to protect Sirius, jumps on his chest, they hear footsteps, like, Harry's, like, contemplating, like, I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I gotta do it, but he never ends up doing it, because he, the footsteps come up, Hermione yells, they're upstairs with Sirius Black, and turns out Remus is now here. Mm-hmm. He takes the wands from the kids, um, and then immediately goes to Sirius, and he's like, where is he? And Sirius, like, points to Ron, who's like, what the fuck, me? Like, what are you talking about? And Remus starts thinking out loud, again, being so ominous about everything, he's like, unless you switched without telling me, and Sirius nods, and he's like, oh my god, pulls him up, and then they hug like a brother, which is dumb. (laughs) They're boyfriends. (laughs) Okay. Why would they hug like brothers? They're boyfriends. (laughs) Listen, the way I'm like, 
justifying this to myself is that Taylor Swift has this one song where she's talking about her boyfriend of like six years and she's like I trust him like a brother so if she can say she trusts her boyfriend like a brother then JK Rowling can say they hugged each other like brothers it's fine okay they're boyfriends (laughs) but basically uh the kids are really confused and Hermione flips out and she's like oh my god I covered for you Four plot twists in a row, back to back, so chaotic. Like, bam, Sirius is an Animagus. Bam, like, this happens. Bam, Remus is in. Bam, he's like, so much is happening in this chapter. And Hermione basically says that Remus has been helping Sirius get in, he wants Harry dead, and he's also a werewolf. Just outing him like that. <laughs> okay. And Lupin. And you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. <laughs> and he's a homosexual. <laughs> good i'm sorry you got me (laughs) okay and remus is basically like hermione that's so embarrassing you only got one out of three correct all right i'm not i haven't been helping serious i don't want harry dead however i am a werewolf you got that you hit that one right on the head buddy you got that one right and ron tries to stand up again like a fucking idiot he's really determined and he screams at lupin like get away from me you werewolf which is racist but okay (laughs) There we go. Species is. Okay, sure. It's still fucked up. And he asked Hermione, he's like, how long have you known? And she's like, I've known since the Snape werewolf essay. And he's like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> and they mention like, oh yeah, did you also notice that I was sick only on the full moons and that my boggart was the moon? And Hermione's like, yeah, I clocked that. I'm a genius. I imagine at this point, the boys are sitting there like, it was a moon? <laughs> I'm saying, like, Harry was like, damn, I thought it was just, like, a weird silvery orb. Like, Harry, I'm begging you to go look at the moon right now. Like, I need you to be, there's craters, there's shadows, like, I need you to be so serious. (laughs) Anyways, he explains that the staff, you know, always knew he was a werewolf, and he gives them back their wands to get them to listen and have him explain, like, the full, full story. And Harry's like, okay, well, how did you know that Sirius Black was here if you aren't helping him? And Remus is like, well, I was looking at the map. And Harry's like, wait a minute, you know how to use it? And we get this reveal that yes, he does, because he is, in fact, Mr. Mooney, one of the creators of it. Mm -hmm. Which is honestly kind of fucked of the Marauders to nickname him after his biggest fear, but okay. (laughs) 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 After Defense Against the Dark Arts one day, they were like, damn, your biggest fear is the moon? That's rough. On an unrelated note, I have the perfect nickname for you. <laughs> I mean, they do call Peter Wormtail, so I feel like... Oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> like, because, yeah, that's literally my next, my next note. When I first read this, I thought that the nicknames were, like, the worst. Because objectively, they are not that good. But now I've read so much fanfic that I have such, like, a bias towards them, and I love their nicknames so much. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, the nicknames of the nicknames, like, Moons instead of Mooney pads instead of pad foot and then like wormy instead of wormtail like i'm like i love that shit now but objectively they are really bad if my friends nicknamed me wormtail i'd betray them too like (laughs) noted like all right (laughs) don't nickname me wormtail understood um and remus continues to explain and he says that he knew about the cloak because james used to use it all the time when they were in school 
and he watched be, um, as they left Hagrid's with someone else, and then he watched as Sirius dragged two of them into the tree. He's also being very ominous and melodramatic. Like, they're literally such boyfriends, because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're obviously talking about Peter Pettigrew, and you won't say it. Like, he's, like, building it up. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, the boys are like, there was only one of us. What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And he asked to see the rat. And mm-hmm. he, Ron is like, what does the rat have anything to do with it? And he, again, very dramatically goes everything. And then finally, Lord, finally, we get to the reveal that Scabbers is not a rat. He is a wizard, specifically an animagus named Peter Pettigrew. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like every chapter in this book ends on some sort of dun, dun, dun. Like, it's (laughs) truly. And before we move on to the next chapter, because we have now this big reveal of the Marauder's Map, I thought I'd share some info about the Marauder's Map. Ooh, yes, let's do it. Yes. And so we know the Marauder's Map is this enchanted piece of parchment that is used to plot all of Hogwarts and its grounds, and it labels all the people within its boundaries. The enchantments that are known to be used on the Marauder's Map are the Homunculus Charm and the Repelling Charm. The history of this map is that it was created by James Potter, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew while they attended Hogwarts. It includes seven secret passageways from Hogwarts to Hogsmeade, although it does not show the Room of Requirement or the Chamber of Secrets. It's important to note that the map cannot be tricked by Polyjuice Potion, Animagi, or Invisibility Cloaks. It can only be activated by a person saying, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good, and will wipe itself again with the phrase, Mischief Managed. A repelling charm of some sort is what prevents Severus Snape from reading the map and instead causes it to insult him. Which is smart. It's also so impressive that four teenagers were able to not only create this super cool map, but have it be smarter than Anime Guy, Invisibility Mm -hmm. Cloaks, and whatever the third thing was that I forgot. Like, that's so incredible that they were able to do that. Truly. Yeah. So, now that we've had that, we're moving into Chapter 18, now we're getting to the thick of it. Yeah. Black lunges at Ron and Scabbers, but Lupin tells him that they deserve the truth first. Ron is obviously like, y'all are crazy. This is my <laughs> pet rat. And Peter Pettigrew is a dead man. And so Lupin is explaining that people thought they saw Sirius kill Peter, but he's alive and he's an animagus. He is the rat. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just really want to note that Ron tries to stand up for the third fucking time on his broken leg. <laughs> I just need you guys to know that. <laughs> Yep, he's not learning. Um, Hermione is explaining it's not possible for him to be an animagus because they're all registered, and according to the list that she actually read, there have only been seven in this century, which is smart for her doing her homework. Yeah. Um, so then they, like, they kind of get distracted, right? Because the door creaks open, and Ron's like, oh my god, it's haunted, and Lupin's like, it never was. The screams everywhere and heard were, bah, 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 me. Me. So then we're, like, back on task. Lupin's like, there used to be three unregistered anime guy at Hogwarts, Peter being one of them, the rat. Lupin explains that the story starts with him being a werewolf, he was bitten as a child, and there was no cure then, which I made a note of this, because he says there was not a cure then. When we talked about, like, um, before about, I think it was Lockhart talking about the cure for um, werewolves and stuff, he took credit for that. So now I'm wondering that... Because Lupin is suggesting there's a cure, maybe they have to take it, like, right after being bitten to avoid transforming for the first time. Because now he's making it seem like there is something to counteract the werewolf thing. That is valid. I didn't see it that way. I thought I thought it was more of, like, cure, not in the getting rid of were- werewolfism, but more like using cure of... Yeah, of using the wolf's bane and help, helping tame it. Okay. Is what I thought it was. 
But again, yeah, that Lockhart thing at the beginning, like, you're right, like, it could be that. Maybe the thing with Lockhart was talking about the Wolfsbane potion then, about using that so they can keep their minds. Well, no, because the thing with Lockhart was that he did a spell to, like, turn him back into a human. Okay, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, don't I think know how he last got that time out. we discussed it, we just decided that Lockhart was an idiot and was lying. That's true. But yeah, they were never bitten. Yeah, it's yeah. probably like a normal dog. Yeah. Um, anyways, he says that the Whomping Willow was actually planted because he came to Hogwarts, and the tunnel and the shack were kind of part of the precautions preventing him from hurting other students, which was Dumbledore's solution so that he could ten- attend Hogwarts like a normal student. Which is something that I'm going to go deep into lore right now, um, but it's... have. I don't know, there's, like, this big thing of Remus is, is, and it probably was, the only werewolf to ever attend Hogwarts because we never hear of another werewolf going to Hogwarts. We never hear of another one, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, like, this whole thing going around where it's, like, do you think Dumbledore specifically recruited Remus to come to Hogwarts when he found out he had been bitten as a kid because Dumbledore has this tactic of oh if I do something really nice for this person they'll believe they're in my debt and then do what I want them to so if he does this really nice thing to let Remus into Hogwarts and be a normal kid at this wizard school that he you know should be at I think the Mm -hmm. whole world thing is stupid then that's what makes Lupin be like oh I should join the Order of the Phoenix I should go undercover with the werewolves and risk my life all that stuff kind of in the same vein of letting Harry come to Hogwarts, saving him from the Dursleys, and now Harry feels like he has to die to get, you know? Yeah. I guess it depends on how deep you want to go into it. Personally, I don't think so, only because Dumbledore knew what Harry was supposed to do before Harry was born. Like, from the day that Harry was born, he, like, he knew what Harry had to do and what he was going to become, and he kept an eye on that. I don't think that he knew all along what part Remus had to play. No, yeah, I'm not saying, and yeah, I get the difference between Harry and Remus. I don't think he knew that Remus was going to play this part, but I think it was more of a, oh, if I can gather this werewolf onto my side, then it'll give me, like, a leg up, you know, Uh to have someone that I can send on the inside, like, kind of for his benefit, kind of. Yeah, because I understand it's different with Harry because of the prophecy and stuff. Okay, yeah. But, like, I don't know, I feel like that's a really interesting theory, and it I feel like mm-hmm. it adds a lot of depth to not only Remus's character, but Dumbledore's, too. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, I don't know, just wanted to mention yeah. that. It really just depends on how malicious you want to paint his character yeah, as. How because there are vari- there's varying levels of how gray you can make his morality. Mm-hmm. It really depends. Yeah, I agree. So it just depends on how you want to do that. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So now Lupin explains that he has the wolf same potion, which allows him to keep his mind intact when he changes once a month. Um, but when he's at school, he was at school when he was younger, the transformations were painful and animalistic because he didn't have this. He used to bite and scratch himself, which is the screaming and groaning that villagers used to hear. His friends, Peter, James, and Sirius found out about this condition and decided to become Animagi to stay with him through it. They worked on it for three years and achieved by their fifth year, which is like serious dedication. They started at 13. Yeah. Because in their Animagi forms, they could keep Remus company on those nights and he was like less dangerous because his mind was less animal like wolfish when he was with them mm-hmm. which is honestly again ride or die stuff like truly. they are truly good friends and it also it makes me just feel like Remus is my comfort character so obviously I, I have a lot of feelings towards him but this just legitimately makes me so sad that he had to go through all of this and it's like I'm so glad that he had the boys to help him with that 
for the few years that he did. But then you have to think he was bitten when he was five. Mm-hmm. So he spent all those years beforehand by himself. And then Sears was imprisoned, Remus, uh, P- James and Lily died, and Peter died in quotes. So then he spent all of those years by himself again. So it's like, oh, yeah. my poor baby. <laughs> he really struggled, and he didn't deserve it. Yeah. But he also is saying that they created the Mar- Marauder's Map from what they learned roaming the grounds. He is Mooney, Sirius is Padfoot, Peter is Wormtail, and James is Prong. And Lupin says he never told Dumbledore that Sirius was an Animagus, and that's, like, obviously how he snuck into the castle, because he didn't want to admit that he betrayed his trust all those years at school. And Lupin explains that Snape went to school with them, and they did not like each other. Um, He saw Madame Pomfrey escort Lupin to the passage one night, and Sirius was like, oh, he'll be funny, let me tell Snape that if he prods the knot on the tree... He could go after him. Snape didn't get all the way to the house where Lupin transformed because James heard about the prank and chased after Snape, but not before he glimpsed Lupin. And now he knows that he's a werewolf, and but he was forbidden to tell anyone. Yeah, and Sirius at one point is like, what does Snape have to do with any of this? And he's like, oh, he's a teacher here. And Sirius is like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> Can't escape him. And so Snape hates Lupin because he thinks that Lupin was also in on the joke. And then Snape suddenly appears at the moment that they're talking about him, whips off the invisibility cloak, and is like, boom. That's right. Yeah, it's so funny to me because I'm like, Snape was really just waiting there, like, mm-hmm. ooh, I wonder when I should pop out. Do you think they're going to talk about me? At what point, like, where should I go? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. And this is, once again, a lot of dun-dun-dun, like, oh my god, every chapter mm-hmm. ends. So crazy. Um, and then also, I just think it's funny that there was a point where he's, like, explaining, oh, and James was prongs, and Harry goes to ask, like, oh, what kind of animal? And then immediately gets interrupted, because, of course, that's a plot point for later. Saving it for later. <laughs> Put that in the pocket. Uh, chapter 19 starts exactly where we ended. Snape is just fully against Lupin right now. He will not let him explain anything, and he's just ruining everything, which is weird, because Snape has been in the room this whole time, so he's heard the story so he should know that Remus isn't helping Sirius and shit but Mm -hmm. I think it's just the grudge from whatever that just is blinding him I guess uh he curses Remus ties him up um and all the trio just like use Expelliarmus on him at the same time and it just knocks him the fuck out Sirius uh starts explaining that he knew that Scabbers was Peter because he saw the Daily Prophet where he had a missing toe which is just incredible that he recognized him from that grainy-ass tiny picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, Peter had chopped it off himself before he faked his death to frame Sirius. He did the spell that killed 12 muggles from behind his back, and then he transformed into a rat, leaving behind his finger, and then thus making Sirius look guilty. Which is kind of dumb, because wouldn't the Aurors know that like there isn't a spell that can just blow someone up to the point where no part of their body or clothes remains except for a finger? Like, was that not suspicious to anyone? Avada Kedavra doesn't do that, and as far as we know, there's no spell that does that. We also know that you can check the wand to see the previous spell, and they would have known if they looked at his wand that he did not perform a spell that would have killed all those muggles. Yeah, there's a lot of plot holes that can honestly be explained by just law enforcement being absolutely terrible in the wizarding world because mm-hmm. there's that there's the fact that verita serum exists and mm-hmm. they didn't think to give that to Sirius. the fact that Sirius didn't have a trial in general the fact that um oh yeah i guess i don't know there's other stuff but like it's just it's just so dumb yeah but um 
that's when we find out that Sirius convinced James and Lily to change their secret keeper to be Peter very last minute because he thought like, oh, this will throw them off. Like, Voldemort will definitely go after me, but no one will think of Peter. The night that they died, Sirius went to go check on Peter. He saw that Peter was gone, but there was no signs of a struggle, so he got worried, went directly to James and Lily's, and found them dead. He chased after Peter, and then the whole thing that we just talked about went down. Remus is then like, okay, we've talked about enough of this, we gotta prove it now, give me the rat. And together they use a spell that forces Peter to transform back into a human. And now Peter is super nervous, naturally he should be, and he's acting like Sirius is still the bad guy, like he's trying everything he can to save face right now. Mm -hmm. But Remus is not having this, Sirius is not having this, he's like, oh, you're still scared of your old master because he's accusing Peter of being Voldemort's henchman and that he hasn't been hiding from Sirius, he's been hiding from the Death Eaters because technically Peter is the reason that Voldemort is dead. Which, wouldn't Voldemort be like, hey guys, Peter Pettigrew is chill, he told me where the Potters are, so we're all good. Like, why would they, like, I understand that technically he led to his death, but like, how were they gonna know that that was gonna happen? So I'm like, not that I'm defending Peter, but... But Voldemort also hasn't been back to tell them that. I'm saying, like, before that, like, would, like, because he's been feeding them information for over a year, uh-huh. so they should know for a fact that he's, like, on their side, and wouldn't Voldemort be like, hey, guys, he gave me information, I'm gonna go kill the Potters now. Good on him. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. just overthinking it. But Ron um, comes up with this, and he's like, wait a minute, but, like, if, you know, if Peter is Scabbers, then he's been with Harry, like, all these years, why would he never, like, do anything? And Sirius is like, oh yeah, you think he's gonna do that with Dumbledore watching over and knowing that Voldemort isn't gonna be back to help him? Like, that's not, that's stupid, he's not gonna do that. Um, And he basically says, he's like, he purposefully stayed with the Weasleys so he could be informed on wizarding stuff, if Voldemort returns, stuff like that. And Hermione then asks Sirius, like, well, how did you escape then if you didn't use dark magic? And Sirius is like, well, you know, I never lost my mind at Azkaban because all I could think about was the fact that I was innocent and that's not technically a happy thought, so the Dementor's gonna, like, suck it out of him. And he still had the ability to be an Animagus and turn into a dog, and since Dementors can't see, they can only, like, feel others. Dog feelings are less complex than human feelings, so they, like, overlooked him. Which, like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure, yeah. Which then explains the whole, like, he's at Hogwarts whispering in his sleep thing is because, you know, it's Peter was at Hogwarts, not Harry, which I think is something that J.K. Rowling does a lot, like, putting in things that you, that she, like, pushes to meaning one thing and then last minute being like, haha, just kidding. It actually meant this the whole time. I'm a genius. Like, <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> Um, and so Harry is then like, oh, so you have been the dog that's been roaming around the whole time, and he's like, yeah, I've been hiding in the forest, except for that one time I went to go see your Quidditch match. Like, hold on. (laughs) You went out of your way. Man hasn't seen a Quidditch match (laughs) in so long. He's like, "Mm, yeah. This is, it's time now. I've got to see it. Literally risks everything, which again, this now explains why Dementors came to the match that one time. Serious. Was there? But like, he's just... I don't know, he's like a convicted murderer stuff, and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna go see how Harry's doing on that fireball. Like, let me just go check up on him. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, you know, Sirius, they're still talking, and Sirius tells Harry, like, I would have died before I betrayed your father. And that kind of does it for Harry. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, yep, I believe you, you're right. And then Sirius and Remus kind of start talking about how they thought each other was the spy, which... 
for Sirius, you know, we know it's kind of a race speciesist thing because <laughs> Remus was a werewolf, which sucks because, like, you know, it's his best friend, his ex-boyfriend. It just kind of sucks that he used that thing that he can't control against him. Mm-hmm. And you and I, as people who have already read the series, know that it's the same for Sirius because of his family. That we don't know that yet, which I think adds a lot of depth once we find out about Sirius's background and why Remus thought it was Sirius. But they kind of go into that, and they forgive each other for thinking each other was the rat, which I'm not going to lie... The fact that your animagus and your Patronus and stuff is, like, a version of, like, who you are as a person, you're telling me the person whose spirit animal was a rat, not once were they, like, that's suspicious. <laughs> like, that's, like, you come to tell me and be like, yeah, my Patronus is a person who sucks at keeping secrets. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Sure, you want to be my secret keeper? Like, <laughs> not once did they think about that. He's a rat. Literally a rat. <laughs> That's valid. That's valid. Ugh. But Peter starts begging each of the trio to save him. He turns to Ron and he's like, oh, I was a good pet, right? And Sirius is like, dude, if you were a better rat than a human, that's not something to brag about, which... Oh! Yeah. Honestly. Got him good. He turns to Hermione and he's like, you're such a really nice girl. She's like, get the fuck out. Don't touch me. And then he goes to Harry and Harry's like, you're literally the reason my parents are dead? No. <laughs> And he tries to say that, like, oh, Voldemort, like, forced me into it. Like, what was I supposed to do? And Sirius is like, nope, bullshit, shut up. You were passing him information for up to a year before this. There's no way he forced this out of you. Mm-hmm. And he and Remus are just, like, ready to kill him. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And Harry, last minute, is like, don't. We should turn him in instead. And they're like, are you sure he killed your parents? He's like, yes, he deserves Azkaban, blah, blah, blah. This turns out to be really problematic, <laughs> as we will see. Mm-hmm. But they agree. They chain up Peter. They, like, Lupin, like, puts a thing on Ron's leg so he can kind of walk. They tie up Snape, and then they start making their way back to Hogwarts. And that's where the chapter ends. Okay. So I feel like they should have made him turn into the rat and then, like, bound him or something. Yeah, I feel like they're also, like, shouldn't, if there's a spell to, like, force someone back to heal, I feel like there should be a spell to, like, force someone to, like, not be able to change. Yeah. Like, a stasis charm or something. Like, Like it locks them in human form. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like there's definitely, things could have gone a little differently. Yes. But, or, like, Petrificus Totalis him, or stun him, knock him out, like. Oh, yeah, and then use the same, um. Mobile corpus thing. Yeah, for that you did for Snape. Like, yeah. there's so many... Oh. Okay, yeah. Plot holes on plot holes, but it's Honestly. fine. We'll, we'll give it hindsight. Okay, sure. They weren't, they weren't thinking it through. That's fair. Um, so we go to chapter 20. As they're kind of, like, walking through the tunnel out, Sirius mentions that he is Harry's godfather, and Harry's like, yeah, I know. Um, and if he wanted to, you know, once his name is cleared, of course, he could, like, live with Sirius instead of his aunt and uncle. And this is such a cute and wholesome moment, and also a little vulnerable because it obviously means a lot to Sirius that he is Harry's godfather and, like, he's missed all this time with Harry, but he knows that Harry might turn him down because, like, they don't have a relationship. Until then, he thought that Sirius was trying to kill him. Until about five minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, and then Harry's like, oh my god, really? Like, oh my, he's so excited and interested, and listen, I tear up. I tear up. Well, he's your comfort character. And I just, they deserve so much, they deserve so much happiness. They deserve to live together, and they deserve to be family, and I stand by that. Wolfstar raising Harry is how it should have been. Yes. And so, 
they kind of like they're like okay now they walk in like a comfortable silence they get out of the tunnel a cloud shifts and the moon shines down on them and lupin suddenly goes very still because someone did not take their potion yeah he's like oh fuck and they're all like what what's going on (laughs) yeah so he starts transforming and sirius immediately is like run yeah, and like, at first, let's not accidentally murder 13-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> Harry's a little hesitant because Ron is still chained to Peter, who is chained to Remus. Yeah. So Sirius is like, I'll take care of it. Run. So they start running. Remus is transforming. So does Sirius. And he gets um, Remus away from Ron and Peter, who were all shackled together. Peter grabs Remus's wand, and Harry, like, disarms him, but not before he, like, does, like, a spell, like, and hits, um, Ron. Yeah. And I think he throws one at Crookshanks as well. Yep. Um, Harry disarms him, but then he turns back into a rat and, like, runs away. Escapes, yeah. Unfortunate. So after this, like, little kerfuffle, and, like, Sirius and Remus are, like, (laughs) disappearing. Yes, they're kerfuffle. (laughs) Is that a word? I don't know. Okay. I'm using it. Sure. Uh, but when they... So they hear Sirius yelping in his dog form. They're like, okay, we have to go help. Ron's unconscious. He can wait. So they go, and Sirius is back in his human form, and hundreds of Dementors are closing in, which is quite literally Harry's biggest fear. Yeah. Um, but Harry goes in, trying to use Expecto Patronum, but he just cannot muster up a strong Patronus to help. Yeah, and he's getting trying to get Hermione to do it, too. He's like, think of a happy memory, say this, which is like... Not good explanation whatsoever, but I understand, like, this is a very high-stress situation. But props to Hermione for, like, kind of trying, even though she has no fucking idea what he's talking about. Yep. And Harry finally gets the answer to his question, because the Dementor takes off its hood, and it says that where there should have been eyes, there was only thin, gray, scabbed skin, stretched blankly over empty sockets, but there was a mouth, a gaping, shapeless hole, sucking the air with the sound of a death rattle. Cool. Nightmares. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not sleeping tonight. Nightmare fuel. Literally. So this, obviously, like, he's, it starts sucking away Harry's soul because it startled him and he just could not do the spell anymore. Um, suddenly, like, it drops him, the temperature starts warming, and the Dementors are retreating from Patronus. Harry, like, musters the strength, like, lift his head and see, and he sees, um, an animal, Patronus, like, running around and then returning to someone on the other side of the lake who looks really familiar, but it couldn't be. And he faints. Literally, passes the fuck out. Yep. Chapter 21 uh, starts with Harry in the hospital wing, and he's overhearing Snape telling Fudge, like, oh, Sirius Black, like, messed with their heads. Um, He's just, he's really trying to get them into trouble, trying to get them expelled. Like, he's spilling this. Fudge is like, oh, I'm gonna give you an award for this, blah, blah, blah. And Snape Mm -hmm. is like, for sure, shut the fuck up. Um, and Snape doesn't know what made the Dementors retreat, but he's, you know, he's just kind of saying what he knows. Pomfrey gives Harry a bunch of chocolate and mentions that Black is tied up and the kiss is going to be happening soon. And Hermione, who is on the bed next to him, is listening as well. And they're like, oh my god, like, this is not good. He's innocent. Like, we need to stop this. So Fudge and Snape overhear that the kids are awake and they come in, and then they start, like, overlapping, talking, trying to tell this story, and of course they don't believe them. Snape is still on, like, they're confounded. Shut up, Snape. No, they're not. They're telling the truth. And Dumbledore eventually comes in, and he's like, I need to speak with Harry and Hermione alone. And they put up a fuss, but eventually they leave. And he basically tells them, like, I believe you, I know you're right, but we have no proof. The only thing we have right now is your word. No one's going to believe two 13-year-olds. Hermione's like, oh, but what about Lupin? And he's like, well, he's indisposed at the moment, but even if he is, there's a stigma against werewolves. No one's going to believe him either. So Dumbledore's like, listen, what we really need in order to fix this is more time. And then he, like, dramatically looks at Hermione. (laughs) He's like, time. (laughs) 
okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he tells them where Sirius is locked up, mentions, like, you cannot be seen, you might save more than one innocent life tonight, which is, like, very strange to hear. Whose life are we saving, Dumbledore? And he's like, it's five minutes to midnight, three turns should do it. Um, Harry's so confused. He's like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah. And Hermione's like, don't worry, I got it. We find out that she has this necklace with, like, an hourglass in it, and it's a time-turner. So she turns it three times, and they go back in time three hours. Hermione explains to Harry that the time-turner is from McGonagall, and this is how she has been able to get to all of her classes all year, even though they're at the same time. Um, and Hermione had to get, like, special permission from the Ministry of Magic to use it, which is really weird Mm -hmm. that they let a 13-year-old have this. Like, McGonagall just sent them a note, like, hey, we have this girl at our school who's a super fucking nerd. Can we give her a time-turner so she can take more classes? And they were like, yeah, for sure. Like, why would you not just, like, switch the class schedule around so Hermione could take them all? Like, why? I feel like this is just the worst Mm -hmm. thing. And, like, J.K. Rowling herself said that she regrets introducing time-turners because, objectively, it's stupid, but Mm -hmm. I digress. If she had followed the rules that she delineated then it would have been fine. But, like, she she messes up in future things that we'll talk about later on. But, yeah. I also have a little information on the time-turner. Perfect. Love to hear it. Um, so the use of the time-turner is to turn back time in one-hour increments. Um, the history of the time-turners is that they were invented with the help of Professor Saul Croker, who has studied time magic in the Department of Mysteries for the entirety of his career. There are hundreds of laws surrounding their use, and they are only to be used to solve extremely trivial matters of time management. By 2020, Theodore Knott has invented a second kind of time-turner that allowed the user to travel back as far as they liked and return to the present. And according to Croker, going back more than five hours in time greatly increases the possibility of harming both the traveler and time itself. So how we stuck to this? We stuck to the original. It would have been fine. Um, but I think that allowing this whole, like, oh, Theodore not made a new one in 2020 that you can go back as far as you want was dumb. Yeah, I think it was stupid. And we'll definitely get there when we get to Cursed Child in approximately seven years. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, no, I agree. I think she didn't think it through as much as she could have. But we're here. They're three hours back, and they're trying to figure out why did Dumbledore say three hours, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because, of course, Dumbledore couldn't just tell them. He had to be all ominous and suspicious and shit and then leave. (laughs) Um, So they're like, oh, something must have happened. Like, what what can we change? And Harry realizes, oh, Buckbeak, you know? So the execution crew is, like, going through the paperwork, and Dumbledore is, like, being purposely vague. He's like, oh, you need a sign. Like, oh, what about this? Which is, like, he knows what's up, which is weird because future him is the one who sends them back so how would past him know if he hasn't done it yet but then we get to the whole it's a loop so it was always meant to happen it's just so confusing but yeah so they have to like avoid seeing themselves so they're like sneaking around untying buckbeak etc the executioner comes out sees that buckbeak is gone and he hits like the fence or something with his axe out of anger so that's we find out is what the axe we heard earlier was and then hagrid like howls with glee which earlier we just heard him howl we mm-hmm. find out now it was of joy i don't see how a howl of glee and a howl of like depression my bird was just killed are in any way similar but okay <laughs> for sure dude so he's like okay well whatever i guess we should go search the ground since he's been untied and dumbledore is like hmm 
I feel like you should search the sky, no? Like, super sassy Dumbledore. Why would they just walk off? Obviously, they would fly away. Yeah, like, be smart right now. And afterwards, immediately, he's like, all right, well, now that that's done, Hagrid, let's get drunk. And Hagrid is like, yes, sir. (laughs) Love that for them. Hermione and Harry decide that they need to wait in the forest until all these people go back to the castle. Um, So then they can you know, get get Buckbeak, fly to Sirius's window, do all that stuff, but it won't happen for a little bit. So they have this whole plan set out, and Hermione's like, okay, we need to relocate so we can see, like, the Whomping Willow when everything is happening and make sure that we know what's going on. And Harry's like, why don't we just go to the tree and take the cloak right now? Because if we do that, then none of this bullshit happens and we're fine. And Hermione is like, Harry, for the love of God, have you never seen a time travel movie ever? This is not how it works. Back to the Future clearly states that this is not how it happens. So yeah, so he's like, can't do that. And then she asks Harry like, oh, by the way, how did the Dementors like not get to Sirius? And Harry explains what he saw and he's like, I think it was my dad, cause you know, he's stupid. And Hermione, straight up, is like, Harry, your dad's dead. <laughs> like, straight up, your father isn't alive, stop being stupid. <laughs> and Harry's like, yeah, I know, but like, oh, I don't know, whatever. They run back to Hagrid's house because, like, past Remus is now making his way towards the woods in, like, full werewolf mode. Like, a bunch of stuff has happened in the meantime that they've been discussing. Mm-hmm. And Harry is like, oh, we should, like, I should, like, go back and, like, Make sure everything's good, you know? Like, I just want to make sure... Hermione clearly knows that he just wants to go see his dad, in quotes. Yeah. But she lets him. She's like, okay, go see whatever. I'll stay here with Buckbeak. So he goes, he's hiding behind the bushes, and he sees the Dementor's kiss about to happen, and he's like, oh my god, okay, this is it. My dad's gonna show up. I'm ready. And nothing is happening. So he's like, what the heck? And then he realizes, oh, no, that's dumb. That's... It's it's obviously... It's me. I did it, didn't I? Okay, got it. <laughs> So he does, he does Expecto Patronum, and the full Patronus comes out, Mm -hmm. and we find out it is a stag. And when the Patronus comes back to him, he's looking at it, and he's like, prongs. Yeah. (laughs) Literal tears. Tears. Literally crying. And also, this is like a weird comment, I don't know where else to put it, but like slight tangent. How lucky were the Marauders that their anime guys just fit perfectly. Like, the big stag to help keep the werewolf in check, the dog who's also a canine and can play with him, and then the small rat who could- like, what if, like, they were like, oh yeah, time to get our animagus form, and like, Peter's an iguana, Sirius is a whale, and Re- and James is like, I don't know, fucking a lizard. Like, Iguana how- could still do it. He could still get to the knot. So his would be fine. I don't think that it would turn into a whale. Because I mean, that's definitely possible. That's a thing. On He would just as- be, like, what's it called? Beached? <laughs> A beached whale? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they got so lucky that their mm-hmm. anime guy were, like, perfect. Like, they could have had, like, some fuck shit. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, the Dementors go away, Hermione and Harry meet back up, and Harry explains, like, oh, it was actually me, blah, blah, blah. And they prepare to head back, like, once they see Snape leave with, like, the passed out Harry, passed out Hermione, passed out Sirius. Um, and then, just a random comment, the book says here that Buckbeak was ferreting for worms, which I didn't know that that was a verb. (laughs) I didn't either. I just kind of accepted it. And I looked it up, and it's like, it makes no sense, because it said that it's like when you're like, like digging for like ferrets and rabbits, like in like their area, which I guess, but like, what? (laughs) I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. But they get on Buckbeak, they start to fly, which is, you know, the cover of the book, like I said. (laughs) 
Um, and they get to the window where Sirius is being held, and they start telling him what's going on, and Sirius, like, is trying to ask him all these questions, and they're like, just get on the fucking thing and go. We don't have time for get this. Get out. So finally Sirius is like, okay, fine. He gets off. They fly away. And that is the end of chapter 21. So chapter 22, they're running through the castle. They make it to the hospital wing right as Dumbledore is closing the doors. Which is really funny because he like locks it, turns around, sees them, and he's like, oh, it worked. Sick. (laughs) Get on in there. Lock. And right after they lay down, they start hearing yelling, and then Snape, Fudge, and Dumbledore all kind of burst in. Snape is going berserk about Harry must have helped, um serious escape and fudge is like um the door is obviously locked um he couldn't possibly have helped him i think you're like losing it gaslight the fuck out of yeah. him so snape storms out and fudge is like oh well you know better go tell the ministry that i'm um a disappointment piece of shit yeah and fudge is like yeah you know like the dementors they're gonna be sent back to ask him because like i don't know why they attacked harry like that that's crazy that's weird. yeah ron finally wakes up and is like wait what happened to which harry is just like Turns to Hermione and goes, you explain, and then starts eating chocolate. <laughs> so true. He's so done. This has been the most hectic day. Like, Where's my treat? I bet I could Where's my treat? Uh, while everyone is at Hogsmeade the next day, the trio just kind of hang out on the grounds where they see Hagrid, who tells them that Snape told all the Slytherins that Lupin is a werewolf. They're like, was- oh my god, no way! <laughs> he was loose on the grounds last night, so Lupin resigned and is now packing up. Way to be petty. Yeah. He Same. also tells them, like, oh, by the way, great news, Buckbeak escaped. And again, they have to be like, yeah, no way! so crazy! <laughs> we had no idea! That's so wild! <laughs> so Harry obviously goes to see Lupin as he's packing up, and Harry's like, you know, you've been the best, like, professor we've had for Defense Against the Dark Arts, and you can't leave. But Lupin's like, there's gonna be an uproar from parents, like, they don't like werewolves. So he's like, here, as my parting gift, because, like, I'm not your teacher, and therefore I don't give a shit anymore, here's, like, the invisibility cloak and the Marauder's Map. Have fun. Yeah, Rebus such a G. He honestly, oh, he deserves so much better. Yep. Fucking Snape, man. <laughs> honestly. Dumbledore comes in to say goodbye to Lupin and talks to Harry about last night, and Harry tells him about the prediction that Trelawney made about the servant of Voldemort escaping and helping him return to power, which he realizes about pa- Peter. Um, I would just like to point out that if we page, if we turn to <clears throat> page four twenty six, let me just okay. let me just flip through. Let me just find it for you so yes. I can read you the exact quote. Yes, I'm about a bet money that I have the same quote written down. It's probable. I'm gonna let it's you really go probable. <clears throat> so, Harry says, "Was it? Was she making a real prediction?" And Dumbledore says, "You know, Harry, I think she might have been." Who'd have thought it? That brings her to- her total of real, real predictions, predictions up, up to two. two. I, I should, should offer, offer her a pay raise. raise. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I would just like to point out. Yep. I would just like to point out that the last episode, you bitched at me because I was like, I feel like she's sometimes making shit up. And you were like, actually, blah, 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 blah. So actually, she's had two real predictions according to Dumbledore. Suck it. I was the one defending Trelawney. You yes, were the one that were agreeing I- with Hermione being like, yeah, she's making shit up. Exactly. So she's had, like, two real predictions with all those little ones, and I was like, those can't all possibly be real. And you were like, actually, so... I mean, objectively, almost all of them were in some form, way, shape, or form they were real. vague, self-fulfilling prophecies. Still, I think it still counts. <laughs> no. 
Still counts. I think this proved my point. Ah, uh, okay. And we jump to the end of term. Everyone has wild theories about what happened, and the trio have all passed their exams. Yay, school! Wait, hold on. Real quick. Oh my god, I can't- I almost forgot. Real quick. They also have a comment when Harry and Dumbledore are talking about how Harry saved Peter's life, and Dumbledore's like, oh, I think you did the right thing. Um, I think, uh, like, at the end, there they will there will come a day where you will be glad you saved his life, because now he, owe, he owes you a life debt. Like, and that's, like, a big thing in the Wizarding World, which- Again, this is just crazy to me because obviously we know that this is true in the seventh book. This is the third book. Uh-huh. Like, holy sh- Like, like now I'm thinking, like, did she plan this fucking far ahead? Or was this something where she was writing the seventh book and she was like, oh yeah, I said that one thing in book three. Yeah, okay, I'll add it now. I don't think she knew how long the series was going to be or how it was going to pan out. But I think that she had this end in mind of how it was going to turn out and the role that Peter would play into it. Yeah. But this is... Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it is a super important part of it. And also, this is so dumb, but, like, there's this, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's this, like, really popular fanfic called The Debt of Time, which the whole plot revolves around life debts, and when I read that fanfic, I forgot that life debts were a real thing mentioned in the books. I thought that was something, like, that was vaguely mentioned, and the author just took it and created this whole thing, mm-hmm. but then I reread this, and I was like, oh, no, like, that's a, that's a thing. That's, that's a canon thing. <laughs> that is canon. So, anyway, back to the school stuff. Yes, right, sorry. Gryffindor has won the house cup again, duh. Um, They get back, they're hopping on the Hogwarts Express, they're riding back, Harry's a little depressed, understandable, but Ron's like, you know what, you should come stay with me this summer and we can go see the Quidditch World Cup. Yes, the next one, the sports book. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Anyways, as they're riding along, they notice a small owl outside the window with a letter. They let it in and Harry reads a letter from Sirius where he's like, oh, Buckbeak and I are hiding. Don't worry, I'm not going to send you, like, any location information. He's like, uh, by the way, I am the one who sent you the fireball. Uh, and he says that he'll be writing again and to make sure to send word if he ever needs him. Yeah, he also mentions that, like, Crookshanks took the or- the fireball order to the owl office using Harry's name but the gold from his vault. How the fuck did he get the gold from his vault? We're not questioning Crookshanks because Crookshanks did so much. I don't even... Crookshanks stole the, the password. Like... <laughs> Crookshanks did this. Crookshanks did that. That cat's everywhere. But, like, Gringotts is so... Like, how the fuck... Um, Sirius also includes a little note that he gives him permission... Gives Harry permission to visit Hogsmeade, which is funny. Um, and he gives Ron, Ron the, the owl, owl. Yeah. Which is so nice. It's like a little, like, ooh, sorry your rat turned out to be a murderer. Here's an owl, though. Here's an owl, <laughs> Yeah. And then we end with them on the platform. Vernon asks Harry what the paper in his hand is, and he tells him it's a letter from his convicted murderer wizard godfather who has broken out of prison and likes to check up on him. Which was <laughs> the best moment ever. Like, good for him. He has, like, this grin on his face. Incredible. And Vernon's probably like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Now they can't, they can't go back to abusing him as much because, you know, Sirius might come murder them. He has this threat looming over them now. So. Yeah. It's. Yeah, and that's the end of this book. I love this book. Yeah, this is a long episode. I apologize for that, um, but... A lot happened it, a lot in our happened. defense. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go right into the jokes. I believe I won the joke poll. Yeah, whatever. Last episode, so yeah, yeah, I will yeah. be starting. Um, so, um, did you hear about the goblin who couldn't work at Gringotts? Uh, no, I didn't. He had a nut allergy. Me slapper. Okay, alright. Um, mine's kind of a play on words, so I'm gonna just say the actual thing, and then I'll say it slowly in case anyone just doesn't understand what the play on words was, okay? You're good. Okay. 
Uh, why did Ron love his pet rat so much? Why? Because it's the pet he grew up with. The pet oh, he yeah. grew okay. up with. Okay. But um. But I like it. Thank you. So that's all for us this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Next episode, we will be discussing the Prisoner of Azkaban book movie comparison, so make sure you tune in for that. Make sure you follow us online with Twitter, our Twitter being SlitherClawRev and our Instagram being at SlitherClawReview. If you could, leave a rating, comment, or review and tell your friends if you enjoy this podcast. All of this helps us immensely, helps us grow, and we appreciate it so, so much. Until Until next time. time!